Mary to come lead us in our sermon and administer the Lord's Supper. Good morning. Good to see you again. Good to be in this sanctuary again at Christmas time. Special thank you, I think, to Heather and the gang, who whoever put this together. It's really nice to come back and see it uh, so well-dressed up. Uh, so it's, it's wonderful to be with you. Uh, we're going to be looking today at Luke, um, <clears throat> Luke chapter uh, 2. Like, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at that in a moment. But I just, just want to th- stop and say again that I'm grateful to be back here and see what the Lord is doing and be having not just an excuse, an opportunity to be reconnected with you brothers and sisters here, especially during this Advent season. But I don't know about you, it just, it feels like it's come too quickly. Like, wait a minute, I've just had a turkey dinner and um, we're halfway, it feels like we're halfway through this. And if you think about it, it's just in a few weeks, it's gonna be over. And and we're gonna start a new year (laughs) again with kind of new memories and do things happening like a wedding, (laughs) a wedding. For Sean and Katie, they're going to get married in a few weeks. What? Wait a minute. What's happening here? What's going on? <clears throat> so therefore, in the meantime, I want to encourage us. Once again, you hear this message. Let's not rush through this season. One of the most significant events in the history of the world is what you and I t- typically celebrate here at Christmas. <clears throat> Think about it. The birth of the Messiah, the long-awaited king who will save his people. And the mystery of all mysteries, almighty God would take on the form of a human. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Let's not rush through that. (laughs) Do you understand how incredibly significant and important that is? And as Casey has mentioned, he is taking us through this season, looking at that event through the eyes of Luke and his wonderful record of what took place and its impact on people and the world. We'll be looking this morning specifically at Mary and her encounter and calling from God. You know, again, I want to suggest that many of us we are so familiar with this story that, that we tend to rush through it. We almost treat it, now I'm not saying we do, but we almost treat it like a fairy tale, don't we? Well, that's a sweet story. We don't do that intentionally, but it, it can seem more like a tradition rather than a reality. We can unintentionally lose sight of the fact these were real people like you and me. They had real fears, concerns, and questions about God and his promises. Shepherds, wise men, a temple priest named Zechariah, and and two births that were truly miraculous. So much was going on that calls us to look again and look even more closely to the people and its impact. So let's look now at that passage in Luke. We're going to be reading in Luke's verse, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. Hear now 
the word of the Lord. <clears throat> In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has set away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. <clears throat> Again, a familiar thing that many of us have read and heard and heard sung many times. The Magnificat of Mary, this great prayer and song that she sang. And there's much that we're going to be looking at here, but I, as a backdrop, as a theme, as something to think about, I want us to, to taste and see as we look at Mary and Elizabeth and this experience. And it's simply this. To have an encounter with Almighty God truly is life-changing for the rest of your life. To have an encounter with Almighty God truly is life-changing for the rest of your life. I want us to see that this was not a chance encounter Mary had, but instead it was an ordained call from God in her life. It was not something she planned or even desired, but it would change her life for the rest of her life. And I would suggest as we look at Mary's experience here and its effect, fellow Christian, we should ourselves be asking anew about our own encounter with the living God when he brought Jesus to us. This is not just about Mary and those people out there. You and I who profess Christ, this should be a time where we say, yes, I think I remember when God opened my eyes and I really saw Jesus. So in Mary's 
Magnificat, we have one of the, I think, one of the richest prayers in all of Scripture. One of the great theologians and preachers of our era who is now with the Lord, R.C. Sproul, he looks at this when he wrote about this particular prayer. He said this. He said, we should write out that prayer and put it on our refrigerators and memorize it. Because it's filled with grace and humility, which should be the hallmark of every believer in Christ. Somebody who's been touched by God should have a similar response that Mary had. Think about that. You know, volumes have been written on the life and calling of Mary. Much has been done in highlighting her life and the birth of Jesus who was conceived in her womb by the Holy Spirit. She was truly unique in all of history. And she herself had some glimpse of that, didn't she, and of her legacy when she said, as we heard, she said, for behold, from now on, generations will call me blessed. And she wasn't bragging or boasting. She's saying, this is an incredible calling that people will remember I, as a virgin, gave both birth to the Son of God. And she rightfully deserves to be singled out and remembered. But hear me, not as though she was more deserving of this salvation than anyone else. Yes, she was indeed mindful of God and his promises. But she was just as much in need of a Savior as you and I are today. Her prayer is filled with humility that comes as she recognizes her condition, her need. Listen to what one commentator said about this prayer, about this experience. Quote, the only people whose soul can truly magnify the Lord are people like Elizabeth and Mary. People who acknowledge their lowly estate and are overwhelmed by the condensation of the magnificent God. Look what he has done. That brings gracious humility. I believe Mary's experience, in a real sense, is a model for our understanding of our own salvation and its necessary ongoing effect. We're going to look at this section that we just read from three aspects, three perspectives. And these are progressive things that we're going to look at. One builds on the other. We're going to look at the context, what was going on in Mary's experience. And then we're going to look at the culmination of Mary's experience. What did this do to her? But then we're going to conclude by looking at the continuation of Mary's experience. How did it affect her for the rest of her life? So let's look at this first area, this context of Mary's experience. Let's not just pull this out. Let's put it in its broader context. What was going on to better appreciate Mary's encounter with Almighty God? You know, in the broader context, Mary, as we know, is a young virgin planning to be married to Joseph. That was declared. That was what was going to happen. And then the reality of her pregnancy cast a serious doubt on that. But she and Joseph both experienced a supernatural encounter. Remember that. 
This really was of God for a unique time and purpose. Mary was not just dropped in as a pregnant woman. She had an encounter, her and Joseph. And just prior to this meeting she has with Elizabeth, she hears directly from the angel Gabriel. Remember that? And sets things in motion. Mary had a tenderness concerning the things of God that was seen in her response to Gabriel. In those brief moments with Gabriel, the work of God was forever seared in her heart. And she would spend the rest of her life pondering what just happened and what this son would become. You know, there's a popular Christian song that was written a few years back that tries to highlight and capture her personal pilgrimage. And it was simply entitled, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know that baby boy you're holding will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that that baby, when you kiss his face, you're kissing the face of God? Mary, did you know? What a, what a pondering thing she must have had. What's happened to me? I, I've been conceived not by man, but by God and this baby I'm about to give birth to. So please, don't lose sight of Mary's humanity. Think about it. She was young. She was poor. She was afraid. She was getting married. All this stuff is coming to a young virgin. I didn't ask for this. What is going on? I'm scared. But God is in this somehow. She also had a young faith that was nurtured and encouraged by others. To the point that she was able to say, even after her encounter with Gabriel, remember that she concluded by saying, let it be to me according to your word. In other words, not my will, but yours be done. God, do whatever you need to do. But now let's look at the immediate context. You see what was going on in verses 39 and 40. What happened when Mary had this encounter with Gabriel and heard this news that was overwhelming? What's the first thing she did? She didn't casually go, did she? Did you see what it said? What Luke records? She went what? With haste. That means she ran. <laughs> oh, my Lord, I must talk to Elizabeth. I'm not going to just walk. Elizabeth, we need to talk. You can't hear me, but I, you can almost see her running, can't you? I've got to talk to Elizabeth. She went with haste to see her. She went to a home of a relative who shared a similar experience. Two pregnant women, one young, one old, who also shared a common faith in the God of Israel. Think about it. Mary did not want to process this experience alone. She went to her relative who she knew she would understand and help her to better understand something beyond comprehension. <laughs> Elizabeth, something just happened to me. <laughs> I can't get it. I can't understand. Can we talk? So think about that context that she was now running and being with her relative who had a similar encounter with Almighty God. So that's the context of her experience. But let's look at the culmination, how did this really come together for Mary? 
And we see now in the next several verses as this unfolds how Mary's song experience culminated uh, her life even through the words of Elizabeth. Think about it. When she ran to Elizabeth's home, her and, and Zechariah, it appears she came into their home and, and, and gave a greeting. Have you ever done that? Went into somebody's house, you know. Hey, I'm here. Anybody home? That kind of thing. You kind of shout out people's names and, and try to get a response. Somebody is here. You can listen to me. And it's interesting. Um, this is kind of a side note that you wonder what kind of response she got. And we don't know for sure if, if Zechariah was there. We can assume he was. And as Mary made that declaration, hey, I'm here, is anybody here? If Zechariah was, was there, she would not have heard a response, would she? You know why? He was still mute. <laughs> Remember what the angel said to him. Because if you have not believed, you're not going to be able to open your mouth. <laughs> until your son John is born. So you can almost, if Zachariah was there, <laughs> but Elizabeth heard. Elizabeth heard the, the voice of Mary. She, Elizabeth would be a catalyst to seal the experiential work that Mary just had. Elizabeth would now confirm what Mary has been thinking and feeling and wondering about what she had just heard. This was a Holy Spirit movement. Friends, this was not just some casual friends. The Spirit of God touched two people. And they came together and Elizabeth said, Mary, this is unbelievable. You have come into my house, the mother of the Son of God. And you can almost feel, can't you, what Mary and Elizabeth, and Mary especially. Yes, God, you are real. You are working. So look again at verses 42 and 43 as we see how she was feeling and how Elizabeth proclaimed this. And at the same time, you see what Elizabeth was going through in her own pilgrimage. No sooner had Mary called her than what happened? The Holy Spirit, Luke records, the Holy Spirit worked in Elizabeth's own body and spirit. When she heard Mary's voice, you, you see what Luke records. The baby, John, within her leapt. Leapt. Now, this verb is the same verb that's used in the Old Testament. You remember when Jacob and Israel were being born, that these twins, Esau, Jacob and Esau, were in the womb. They were wrestling. <laughs> there was not just a quiet move. There was a, a thunderous movement going on. This is the same verb that's used here. Elizabeth didn't say, oh, he kicked a little. Or Mary didn't. Yeah, Elizabeth said, he kicked a little. No. Oh, my Lord. As soon as you opened your mouth, Mary, the Holy Spirit filled. Something happened. This is unusual. This is supernatural. What a jump in her body. You know, think about it and pause here. There is something, something powerfully contagious when believers share with each other what God has been doing in their lives. Really is a wonderful experience. Just recently, I heard one of my online students at the seminary sharing with us how he had been a former Marine and served for a long time in the Marine Corps, but he was now entering seminary because he wanted to serve the Lord. 
But in that context, he started sharing about his life. My life was broken and lost and ruined. Shameful, shameful. And God entered my life. He opened my eyes to Jesus, and I've never been the same. And then he went on to say, every day I'm finding myself hungering to know God better, and I'm falling in love with repentance. <laughs> I love turning away from sin and wanting Jesus to have his way. I found myself, when I was listening to this guy, I found myself saying, God, I want to be like him. <laughs> I want whatever you're doing to him to be done to me. Don't let me take you for granted. Friends, there is power in you and I sharing with each other what the Spirit of God has been doing. doesn't have to be some incredible, miraculous thing. It might be a confession. Man, I, I did not do what I should have done before God. Would you pray for me? I love being around people like that because they want to know Jesus better. Elizabeth and Mary were sharing a common experience. The Magnificat of Mary, in many ways, it really is the culmination of her experience, isn't it? She is now endeavoring to put into words what God has just done in her life. And she wants the world to know. You know, I think this song really does deserve a closer look and examination. But let me just highlight a few things that I, I think reflect her experience. And as a preliminary thought, let me suggest to you, we don't have facts to back this up. But I would suggest when Mary was praying and singing this song, she was smiling. <laughs> she was smiling. Her face was bright and lit up. She wasn't saying, God, I'm so grateful for God. You can almost see her filled with joy. Why? Because God touched me. And I can't get into words what I want to say, but I'm going to do my best to tell you what I am feeling, what this experience has done to me. Two things to consider that I think are critical to understanding her experience with the Lord God. And the first is found in the opening verses of her Magnificat. Look what she says. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Do you see what happened? The first words out of her mouth. This encounter really is about God. The Lord is exalted and praised. Her encounter brought not focus on herself, but on God. And that's a consistent biblical theme. Go back and look at Psalm 34 sometime. The writer says this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Life is about God and lifting him up. Mary knew that the Spirit of God was the source of her new life. And she was seeing in ways she had not seen before. But the second thing to consider is followed by reason it meant it meant so much to her. Why? For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. First words out of her mouth were praise to almighty God because she recognized her own condition and her need for God. Friends, you and I 
will never come to God apart from recognizing our need for him. Is this not what Jesus was addressing when he opened the Beatitudes? Remember the first thing he said? Blessed are the poor in spirit because they'll see the kingdom of God. My friends, if you don't think you need God, then you're going to use God. You're not really going to worship him. But until you see, I am nothing apart from God. I need you. I am broken apart from you. Jesus says, you're going to get it. (laughs) You're going to see it. And you're going to experience it. This important part, Mary was to understand, Mary was hungry for God. She felt lost without him, which is perfect preparation for him coming to her. And the rest of this song reflects further on God's character and his salvation. And I'm sure she sang it more than once. I think she didn't say, okay, that's over. She probably, almost every week, every day, can I tell you, can I tell you, can we talk? Unbelievable what God has done in my life. So go back and read that again. But that leads us to our third and final point, the idea that it wasn't just the context. We need to understand that she's a real person in a real world going through this stuff. And the culmination of her experience, that was unbelievable when she entered that house and the Holy Spirit did all this stuff to her and Elizabeth and she culminates with an experience of a magnificent prayer that pouring out her soul to God and praise to him. What a wonderful thing. But we need to understand also that there was a continuation of Mary's experience. Her encounter with God would change her life for the rest of her life. Not just in this sweet encounter with Elizabeth. You know, that brings up a point to be aware of. That there is danger in just focusing on our initial experience. And that is that we can lose sight of the necessary ongoing effect of God's work in our lives. In some Christian circles, the emphasis is is on experience so strong that it almost becomes obsessed with, with that. You've got to experience Jesus in such a powerful way every day of your life or you're not going to be what you're called to be. And that becomes so strong that we can lose sight of the call to continue in faith in following our Savior. Feeling rather than faith becomes a dangerous paradigm. Have you ever felt far away from God? A lot of people will conclude things like this. If I don't feel God, then I can't really follow him. I don't have that other culminating experience. So because I don't feel God, he's probably away from me. And I just need to sit and cry and feel bad. That doesn't make sense, does it? But you and I are so oriented. If I don't feel it, it's not real. Says who? What does the Bible say? You walk by what? Faith. Not by sight or feeling. You walk by what God has said, what God has done. So my friends, let's look again at what Mary did Do you see, I think the concluding verse is as important as the rest. Do you see what she did? Look at verse 56. What did we conclude with? And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. 
Mary went back to living life with this new life. She spent three months with Elizabeth. Don't gloss over that. What was going on? She spent three months with this sweet sister in the Lord, caring for her. And at the same time, I would argue that she was continuing to process with Elizabeth this new calling and life. Think about it. Two mothers to be talking through life and anticipating the ongoing work of God. Mary probably prepared meals, didn't she? And cleaned and and she put into practice the work of the mercy and grace of God. She didn't say, I I want another experience like that. I'm going to wait till God really comes at me again. And then I'll really serve him even more. Now she said, how can I not continue on? So please, don't just highlight and glorify this, this magnificat, this, this incredible experience, without looking at the rest of her life. She would mature in her faith as she walked through life. And she reflected often on the ongoing work of God. And as we see in her own experience of giving birth, as we'll hear about more later, and hearing everything that was said about this baby that Mary gave birth to. Luke would write in chapter 2 of her experience of giving birth to Jesus, after hearing about all of these things from the shepherds and the wise men, Luke records this, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them, In her heart. Mary did you know. This is an incredible. Think about what's going on here. I would argue that we need to keep following the rest of her life. Don't stop here. Look at the rest of her life. Because that pondering. That working out of what God had begun in her life. Would be no more clearly seen than when she watched her son die on a cross. My son, my baby that I nurtured and grew, she watched him die on a cross in a painful and humiliating way. And I would argue that that was at the moment that Mary saw at that moment, this was not only her son, this is her savior. This is my God. It's not just my baby. This is the God who has brought the Savior to me as well as to everyone else. There's an even more precious hunger to know my son who died for me as well as everyone else. Oh, friends, let's see this Christmas season, this blessed Advent season. It's a precious time for you and me to remember when Jesus came to you. No, it might not be as dramatic as Mary, but it was life-changing. When someone is born again, when the Spirit of Almighty God opens our eyes to see more clearly just who Jesus is and what he did for us, you're never the same. The Christmas season is not a walk down sentimental lane. It's a serious call to recall the living Savior who was born, but also who lived and died and rose again for you, for me. 
Oh, may you have your own Magnificat, even this day, as you remember again just how much he loves you. And may Jesus Christ be praised. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful, grateful that you have come to us. And we confess sometimes these stories are all too familiar. And we don't pause to ponder anew what you have done for us in bringing Jesus to us. So God, even now, especially as we come to this, your table, Jesus, would you meet with us? Would this be more than a formality, but the living reality that Jesus Christ is Lord, born in a, from a virgin in a manger, but at the day of his birth, he was the Lord of the earth. Do that even now, we pray in Jesus' precious and holy name.